Hi everybody, welcome into the Dublin to Denver podcast on the Mile High Report podcast network. This is the, well, I was going to say the biggest Irish Denver Broncos podcast, I think it might be the only one, but we're here, we're going into week 18, the Denver Broncos haven't let us down. They they got beat by the, well I'm only joking, they did, they got beat by the Los Angeles Chargers 34-13, falling to 7-9, and nine, officially out of the playoff contention for the season. This is the team that started you know, and they're now officially out of contention. Looking ahead, the weekend team of Colm Cronin, Stuart Roach. Boys, welcome in. What it's January, Michael, but which January? Because I it feels like it could be. I saw a tweet the other day that said world begins unprecedented third attempt at 2020. It feels like the Broncos have begun you know this this year the what the sixth attempt at repeating 2015 and talk about the law of diminishing returns but here we are Stuart Michael good to uh good to good to see you guys um so the, I, I know we'll get to it eventually but the Broncos being um well I'm gonna say the Broncos being flexed Saturday afternoon in in, in American time but Broncos being moved to uh, to Saturday, which, you know, I think, let's be honest, is to give the Chiefs something to play for. And they didn't want Tennessee to have sealed the first place in the AFC before the Chiefs played. But it means that potentially, you know, should he want to, that the most eagerly awaited Denver Broncos moment of the season, the Joe Ellis Black Monday slash Sunday could be a thing this year, that 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 24-hour shift in the Broncos game means that potentially we could have some heads on poles on a Sunday, which to me would be, be kind of apt. Um, but hey, look, you know, we, we we are probably the only... I mean, there may have been Denver Broncos podcasts in Dublin started at the, at the beginning of the season, but they just probably just tailed away in boredom or, or, or just ennui. But I think we're nearly there. We've only got a couple of days left. We're recording this on a Wednesday. We're almost, you know, we're, we're less than probably 100 hours away from finally things getting sort of sorted out. And uh, I, for one, cannot wait for Joe to step up to the podium. Well, the season ends a day, pre, well, a day less than we thought it would. And uh, I was I was surprised by the selection of this game. I, I personally thought that the, you know, there was a, there was big rumours at ESPN at first choice uh, of the games that they wanted for the Saturday night and I thought they would pick Raiders Chargers late. I really did think they would and maybe potentially okay putting us in beforehand. But uh, I am surprised at the selection of the games. I, I don't consider this a game that should be deemed to be on national television. But if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And um, we'll, we'll talk about that game down the stretch on this show because I think it's going to be a very interesting performance, but uh, Colin, this was a very disappointing performance in, in SoFi Stadium against the Chargers team that put up 34 against us and quite frankly could have put up a lot more. Yeah, well, a disappointing performance, disappointing season, uh, th- 13 points. Um, I mean, where where do you be- begin, Michael? It's, it's just the same thing over and over. And this week I've seen, you know, talk though that Vic Fangio may be retained, that we should run it back with Drew Locke for a fourth season, a guy who turns 26 next season, apparently is a developing QB. Look, 
we should have gone with Locke from the start, but it's done. It's over. Drew Locke is not the answer. Teddy Bridgewater was not the answer. Vic Fangio is not the answer. We need to clean house from top to bottom. We need new owners. We need new coaches. The only one who should remain in the building is George Payton. He has the six-year deal. He has five years left on that. Apart from that, just clean house. I, I don't know what to say. I, I, I just watched, you know, in on Sunday, and you knew almost from the off what way it was going. There's very little to get excited about on either side of the ball with this team. I mean, TJ Watt on Monday night uh, got to 21 and a half sacks for the season. In one season, TJ Watt has more sacks than Bradley Chubb has in his entire career to date. Bradley Chubb does not have a single sack this season at the time of recording. TJ Watt has 21 and a half sacks. there's There's so little joy. I mean, it as I've said it before, this team... Under Vic Fangio, it is the antithesis of King Midas. King Midas, everything he turned touched to gold. Vic Fangio and the Broncos this year, everything they touch turns to the opposite of gold. You can imagine what that is. And it stinks to high heaven. And it's just no fun. There is no fun in watching the the Broncos. Uh, Getting a root canal without an anesthetic would be preferable to watching this team currently. Stuart, uh, I think there's there's a, there's a number of points that we can talk about in terms of this game. For me, it's Drew Locke. You were to take a look now at his stats for the day. 18, 18 for 25, uh, 245 yards, one touchdown. Justin Herbert was 22 for 31, 237 yards, two touchdowns. But the Chargers won by, by 20-odd points. I mean, Locke... Locke wasn't impressive. Is, is, is it fair to say? I know he hasn't been given the chance this season to play, but Jesus, like I mean, if we ever needed more of a more of a shake saying, look, this team needs a quarterback, it was on Sunday for me. Uh no, I disagree, but I mean I seem to be constantly defending Locke on this. I'm I'm also not naive into thinking that the, that, that ship has sailed. Uh, myself and Colin picked the Broncos to win this game because we thought that they matched up well with the Chargers. That's before COVID decimated the Broncos. Um, it was interesting that when I think we recorded last week's podcast, the Chargers were in serious trouble with COVID and we were fine. And then within about 24 hours, the Chargers seemed to get all their players back and we lost virtually all our team. So, I mean, I have to say, in fairness to Locke, you know, he, who's he throwing the ball to? Cortland Sutton, who I think had probably more yards in, in one game than he's had, you know, in the previous three or four. Um, you know, Kendall Hinton is a lovely story. I don't know if Kendall Hinton's an NFL receiver. So, you know, he, he he's not really been helped in the last few weeks. I, I, I would argue that Locke's been our best offensive player uh, two weeks in a row. Now, that is absolutely damning with faint praise because nobody in the offense has shown up. I think, you know, he, he didn't have anyone to throw the ball to really at the weekend apart from Fanton and Sutton. And unfortunately, the offensive line um, we don't seem to be like when we've really needed to run the ball in the last couple of weeks. The running game seems to have just sort of tailed off really badly. I do think a lot of that is to do with the fact that the interior um, of the offensive line is struggling um, a lot. Um, so, no, I mean, I think Locke played well. I don't think, uh, to me, you look at Locke at the weekend and I, I saw somebody who was going through his progressions. I saw somebody who 
showed better pocket awareness um, than he may have done previously. So I look at Locke and I go, it's a shame to me that I think he was saddled with a dreadful offensive coordinator. And I think if you look at the way other teams treat young quarterbacks, um, we go out of our way to do the opposite. So I think he was unfortunate in that he ended up with just a just the circumstances went against him. Now he has struggled. He struggled a lot last season. I think we said it here before. The minute Scangarello was gone, Locke was done in Denver. It just had a very, very long sort of uh, saying goodbye period. So I uh, no, I I think I think Locke has done okay in the last few weeks. I think he's shown enough to suggest that he might have a sort of a Ryan Tannehill uh, renaissance somewhere. Like you look at Locke and you go. Something like Sean Payton or, or Sean McVeigh disciple got their hands on lock. The arm talent is enough that you could see him doing some serious damage in another team. I mean, I'm not saying I want Locke to come back and haunt us. It probably won't happen, but uh, I think it's unfortunate. I think this was a complete waste of a season. As we've said again, a functional NFL team looks at the schedule and goes, we've got four winnable games out of the first five. You start the young guy. If there's not a huge separation in training camp, there wasn't a huge separation in training camp. There was no separation in the preseason games. So a proper well-run NFL franchise starts the young guy. And if he doesn't, uh, doesn't play up to scratch, then you know what Teddy Bridgewater is. Teddy Bridgewater is who he's always been. And Teddy Bridgewater will be that next year for whatever team is, is lucky, and I use inverted commas very, very strongly, lucky enough to have him. Um, so to me, this was unfortunate. I, I there's, a, there's an element of sadness with Locke when I see him, because I think if things had shaken out in a slightly different way, he could have been the answer. Um, but we've done very little to help him. And I just, you know, I, we're now getting into the period where you're talking about who's going to be the quarterback next year. There's already start, sort of talk about Aaron Rodgers potentially staying in Green Bay. Seattle are going to be utterly resistant to trading Russell Wilson despite the noise coming out. Um, so now you're looking at potentially quarterbacks in the draft. And, and with something like that, and myself and Colin have talked about this at length, sort of privately, if you go for a quarterback in the draft, you have to fully commit to that. You get the quarterback... Then you plan the team around, you plan your offensive coordinator around them. You you even sort of suit your head coach to this quarterback. The Arizona Cardinals, I know they've sort of tailed off a little bit. They've been very badly hit by injuries. But Arizona Cardinals are a prime example. They went all in on Kyler Murray. Um, we're probably going to pick either 11th or 10th in the draft. That's not bad if you want to make one of those moves up. So you're in a decent position. Yet for another year, I think, Colin, you can sort of go with the stats for this if we say pick 10th this year i think that's the fourth out of the last five years that we will have had a top 10 pick in the draft if we have four top 10 picks in five years and we don't get a franchise quarterback then you're looking at you're getting to the stage where the whole thing might as well just be ripped down and started afresh because that is dereliction of duty times 100 so if it's to be a veteran fine but if it's a young guy Shermer can't be anywhere next or near to the place, and Fangio can't be anywhere next or near to the place either. I don't trust anybody in that team at the minute or, or that franchise at the minute to bring somebody in. I don't because this we've seen this X amount of times. Unless the whole thing is cleared house, I just don't see the point in bringing somebody in the draft. For example, a quarterback Corral. For example, what's the point? 
because there, they'll do a year point. and then people yeah, get fed up. The way things stand now, Mick, you're dead right. There is no point. So it has to be a complete cultural reboot. Um, and, and you have to, like, one of the things that we've, again, have been speaking about in this program for quite some time, there has been this myth that we're just a quarterback away, that we're in win-now mode. You know, it, it's win-now and from now on, whatever the hell that meant that Elway kept coming out with. Um, that's fantasy land. It's fantasy land. Um, until you accept the fact that there's a problem, you can't fix the problem. It's a cliche because there's truth to it. Until you accept the fact that it's going to take a couple of years for a young quarterback to come on, um, you're, you're not. You're, you're going to just be, this is going to tread water. We'll be having the same conversation next year. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, if you go, we're going to get our guy in the draft, uh, which is what any team would do at this stage, six years out of the playoffs now as it's going to be. Um, you go, okay, fine. So it's going to be a year or two where it'll be rocky, but this is the way it has to be. This is the way it's done in the NFL. Look at Justin Herbert. Um, you know, look at Josh Allen, all these guys. You have to, we seem to be hell-bent on proving that there's another way in the NFL. Our way hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. So you do, you now go and look at the franchises that have been successful, the Buffalo Bills, the Arizona Cardinals, and you 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 go, yeah, let's do what they did. And if it doesn't work this year, try it again the year after. Try it again the year after. You keep trying until you hit on one. I, I, I would agree, Stuart, but I don't think it has to take that long, right? Because, and this is where I don't think the team has helped Locke, but I don't think Locke has helped himself. Patrick Mahomes was MVP in his second year, right? And he played one game in his rookie year. He's MVP the following year. Lamar Jackson is MVP in his second season. Joe Burrow misses the majority of his rookie year through an ACL injury, and he's pulling up trees this year. He's thrown for 500 yards in games. Josh Allen, for all his problems in his second year, he, the Bills made the playoffs. Now, the Bills committed to Josh Allen. They went up. They took him in the draft. They took him at seven. They moved up from 12. They knew he was their guy, and they built around him. Justin Herbert has been brilliant from the off. Jalen Hurts is a guy I think you could say is a Drew Locke type situation. He went in the second round. Jalen Hurts has a coach who played to his strengths, but the, the Eagles with a first year head coach and with a second year QB are back in the playoffs. They, they, I think the game has definitely evolved. And for me, Davis Mills, looking at him, Davis Mills has three 300 plus yard passing games this year. Drew Locke has three in his entire time with the Broncos in three years. Now, some of that's on the franchise, some of that's on... But who, yeah, but who, who's been Locke's offensive coordinator in that time? Like, like if you... Yeah, the one thing, you, you like you're saying, Josh, they went all in. They, these guys have been backed. Locke has never been backed by, by this but, team. But Davis Mills... Davis Mills is on a Texans team that's that's a train wreck, Stuart, an absolute train wreck, and yet he's out there making the throws, and he's got no one outside of Brandon Cooks. Like, that's where, to me, Locke needs to do more. I agree. Shermer is terrible. I want him gone. He should never have come in. But Drew Locke has got to, to take some responsibility on his own performances on this. It can't just be that he's been left down by the franchise. Um... He, he needs to step up at times. Yes, it hasn't helped. But we, we've we heard constantly for the last couple of years about the receiving core that they have and all the excitement that came about the, the new contracts that Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick got, all the excitement around Noah Fant and Alberto, all the excitements around the, the running backs who were going to take some of the pressure off. Like, Davis Mills doesn't have any of that, and yet he's out there. And I don't think Davis Mills, I don't know if he's going to be the long-term answer. I imagine they'll 
probably run it back with him next year because Watson's going to get traded. But I, I agree in that we have to make a decision on a QB and you have to go and get it. You can't just allow him fall into to your lap because if you if you don't do it, it it's the like the lock situation we took lock because he was there we played flacco we knew exactly what flacco was going to be and so we wasted locks for first year and from there you're always kind of playing catch up so the plan has to be put in place and implement the the plan and stick to the plan but I, it just feels to me like we cannot get to the end of this season and clear things out soon enough. My concern is you're, we're going to bring people back and there'll be this like civil war all, all over again. I think it, it won't just be a civil war. I, I think people will, will genuinely lose the head. Like, if Vic Fangio is brought back into this team, and, and we can talk about this at length end next week, but, it, it, you know, sitting here on the day of recording on a Wednesday, it seems as if that might be the case, going from all the sources indicating, because, you know, Albright, I think, has sort of indicated that might happen, but there's no decision made yet. So yeah, I'd be deeply disappointed if he was... Adam, Adam Schefter said exactly the same thing yesterday, Michael. That, uh, so what are, are they just going to sit up on Sunday morning? Is Joe Ellis going to get his cup of Joe and sit in the sofa and put the fire on, you're, you're, put the TV that's on? That's the thing. The talk is they have they still they're still undecided. Which I mean, that's that's shocking. You're three like years, that's, that's you're three years in. What, what what are you waiting for? That's just yeah. I mean, look that that is why we are in the situation that we are in. And remember that the Broncos are second only to the Jets in terms of the longest active playoff drought okay we're setting all sorts of records in terms of the the team to win a super bowl and then miss the playoffs we set the a new record with that last year and now we we beat that again this year and that the fact that they haven't made uh, their minds up about fangio tells you all all you need to know i think about like the the decision making where again where is the plan what what's the plan for next year we that's what we we need to to be thinking about we know how horrifically the jets are, are run um from from top to bottom but there is only us um on the island behind them the bengals having made the playoffs this year Nick, well, okay. i think the bengals make sorry go ahead sorry, Mick, no if it's okay because uh cecil lamy has been on the show and he's he, you know he's a friend of ours and i like cecil a lot and he hasn't deleted this tweet so he's obviously happy for it to stay up this was after the game, um, I think on, on Sunday, where he said Vic Fangio is incredibly arrogant as a head coach and all that entails. However, he's a master manipulator who has warmed up to the right people in the franchise. I hope those people in the front office say enough is enough. So for Cecil Lamy to come out and say something like that and for then subsequently for it not to be deleted, um, I think speaks volumes. And I think Cecil, Cecil has a lot of credibility in um, but he's broken ranks because I and I think what's been interesting in the last couple of days is I think you you know we talk about civil war about the quarterbacks but I think you're beginning to see civil war in regards to who sort of distanced himself from the the Fangio may return nonsense um, which which is kind of simmering away which to us I think is is bizarre because how could this even be a conversation I mean the guy is about to like. I know they're going to try and play the starters of the weekend, but, you know, 
the Chiefs are going to go all out because they have to try and get that number one seed, which which they will get if they win and the Bills lose. Sorry, if they win and the Titans lose. Um, so Fangio is probably going to lose this game, which means he would have lost three double-digit games in three seasons. That is historically bad for Denver Broncos head coach. And yet there's some debate as to, you know, we get it. You know, Shermer is going to be the scapegoat. Tom McMahon is going to be the scapegoat. But, you know, when Vic's saying, oh, myself and uh, Peyton are going to fix the offense, uh, you know, when he was asked about its struggles, you know, you, you hope that this is just a, a play by Vic to try and keep keep his job. Because if there's any sort of merit to that, then we're, we're miles away. Vic Fangio knew what he was walking into. Let's let's cut the crap here, boys. And I, I agree with what you're saying. He knew what he was walking into Ricky years ago. He was walking into a fan base that endured years of Vance Joseph after a Super Bowl victory and um and that and all it entailed there. He knew what he was walking into. It's been I, I can't say the word on the on on the show. I I'm not gonna say the word. But it's been deeply disappointing. And the example there I think Colm gave of the Bengals last weekend is 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 a dominant indictment to where this team currently stands. They have shown how to do it correctly, how to draft the right guys. If they get something wrong, they go back, they fix it. This team doesn't do that. The management doesn't do that. And that therein lies the problem. Um well, I, no, I, I, there, I think there are di- there are different ways to do it. Like the Eagles are also in the playoffs. The Eagles don't know if they have their franchise QB, right? There are issues with Jalen Hurts. But what the Eagles did was they, they, they found a way to, to make it work. They said, okay, what are our strengths? Our strengths are our QB is really mobile. We have a really good line. We're going to run the hell out of the football. And no matter who has been missing, because they've missed Miles Sanders, they've missed their number one running back, but whoever has come in, they have just, they have a system and the system works. And they came in and they put a beat down on us. Let's not forget the Eagles rolled into town. They limped in, right? Because they were three and six when they limped in and they put a beat down on us and they have been six and one since. And that is quite telling. So I think there are different ways to do it, but the the ways to do it are to lean on your strengths and to come up with a plan to make the most of those. But to me, the the, the biggest killer of all is just how boring we are. Utterly, utterly boring. And that is, you know, you saw um, Seth Walder um, had a, a piece today around the pass rushing rates and, and double team coverage. The Broncos are nowhere to, to be seen. Like Jonathan Cooper and Malik Reed are towards the, the bottom. And that's really disappointing because, you know, both of those guys, Malik showed out in other years, but this year, just ha- like we just have not gotten pressure on opposing QBs uh, we are a bend don't break and yes we hold it and we drag you down we almost we bore you to, to death and occasionally opposing teams fall asleep and we take advantage of that but there you know outside of the Cowboys game what are the games that have been act- in any way exciting this year the only one would be the Chargers column um, and what was interesting to me was the Chargers and, and Staley clearly learned from the first game that they played against us. Now, I know that we, we did, and genuinely, I'm not using it as an excuse, but we did have an awful lot of uh, starters out through COVID or injury, whatever. But the difference between the first and second games could not have been starker. And that, to me, looked like a coach and a, and a, and a coaching staff that learned, that learned. 
Like we 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 go into the second game, we're worse than we are. I mean, the, like I don't know. I mean, I, the worst thing that happened to us was the Chiefs game getting flexed on Saturday because they're going to go full throttle for us. You know, if the if the Titans had already won, if we were still playing on Sunday night, Chiefs had nothing to play for, they might have taken it easy. But you know, in some ways, it might not be the worst thing that happens if the Chiefs really go go for the throat because. You know, and I noticed one hundred four three. The fan I've been kind of DMAC again as a friend of the of the podcast. Have been pushing the the narrative of you need to make yourself heard at the weekend, um, either through you know vocal sort of chants in the stadium or not showing up. And I think that's the big story for me. Will be just I think George Payton has been overpraised as a GM. I think he's done a good job so far. I liked a lot of his moves, but he seems to have been hailed as the Messiah, which is way too early. And it reminds me of, of Broncos fans, um, you know, proclaiming this offense and group of wide receivers as the second coming uh, before they've done anything. Um, so George Payton has been in the Minnesota Vikings, who are the definition of mediocrity and of, you know, nine and seven, eight and eight, seven and nine, year in, year out. Um, so George Payton, I think, needs to be to be sort of uh, just just sort of disabused of the notion that this is acceptable because if Fangio comes back, um, Michael, you're talking about I, like I think this is a, this is the last opportunity for the Broncos fans to actually let the top brass know what they think potentially of that decision. Um, so that would be me for me. That would be an interesting sort of sideline to keep just to see how many people are in the stadium. Um, I, I'll, I'll come out now and say it I think a kickoff would be 60,000 it'll be reported as 12,000 no-shows as it always is 12,000 no-shows but you could be you're looking at probably closer to 2025 I reckon I, let's see what happens the tickets aren't even that cheap they're still like 40 bucks but I think you'll have a good decent amount of Chiefs fans that'll, that, that'll drive to the game um, let's tell you what. Let's look ahead to the game quickly. And I guess some Sorry, what, in here Michael, as well. Just, but, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. One go last on. thing, just you know, and I know we're kind of piled on Shermer, but if you want to talk about playing to your strengths, Locke got taken out by a hit by Bosa. Um, you know, a heavy hit by Bosa, and we then he comes back in, and I think he showed a lot of brave uh, bravery by doing that, and and fair play to him for that. We come back in, and we have four. Or we have first and goal on the one yard line. Okay, what the Broncos need to do there with their two extremely dangerous running backs is you run the ball four times. If you decided to go from fourth down, you run the ball at four times. Uh, but no, on fourth down, we decide to go fully special, involving a wide receiver who's hardly played all season and a quarterback who has just recently presumably had an injection in the dressing room to come back out, who was, he was clearly not 100%, and you throw the ball to him. Like, who thinks up this stuff? Do you know what I mean? Like, where does that come from? That's to me summed up Sherman in a nutshell. So initially, I was like, going, okay, well, it was a little bit of creativity. But then when I thought back after, I was going, that was just ridiculous. You throw the ball to Locke, who's already been injured, and Kendall Hilton is the one who throws the pass. You know, what I mean, man, oh man, just terrible, terrible. And then, sorry, one last point. We did score a touchdown that would have made it twenty to ten, um, just going into the to the fourth quarter, and then. We, you know, we had to settle for a field goal and then they got the, the kickoff return. The game was gone. That fourth down came after the third quarter ended. So there was a long break between third and fourth down. So again, how on earth does 
Schlotman line up in the wrong position after having so long to think about that play, having presumably Shermer and, and the assistants go through with them on the side. How does that happen? How do you do that? Just, again, examples of really, really poor in-game management. Have you and Dad there, Colin, before we, we look at the Chiefs game or, or do you want to jump into that? I don't. I don't think there's a, a whole lot to to add. I I think that we're unfortunately a, a team where the we need to we need to see players as well though, like show make decisions on on the field both uh, on on defense and on offense and in terms of at like influencing a game like we we had that that that's what the best teams have is leadership from the sidelines and on the field and at the moment it feels like there's very little of that there is i would say none from coming from the sidelines um but we need more um of the the players in fairness to um people like justin simmons he does front up he's one of the guys who comes out and talks after every game um but we need, you know, there, there was an effort to draft the captains and certainly drafting has improved from where it was. Um, but we we need to bring in um, some real kind of leadership as part of the off-season package. Right, so Broncos playing the Chiefs. Last game of the season, 9.25, 9.30 Saturday night, ESPN or on Sky Sports in Ireland, etc. Game Pass. You know where to watch it by now. Um, I'll start. Blow out. Blow out. Uh, game over by the end of the first quarter for me. I, I, I don't see how the Broncos are going to win this game. And it's fairly disappointing that this team could go 7-10 and 10 after going flea and 0, regardless of the opposition. That was, or this is week 18, that was 15 weeks ago. And they've won four games since then. And we've sat all year and we've talked about uh, this this young talent and being close with a quarterback. Jerry Judy's done nowhere near as much as he's done last year. And he wasn't even that great last year. He dropped... Uh, do you know what? I don't want to start this. I'll start it next week properly when we go into the season. I think the Chiefs are going to completely destroy us on Saturday night. I think they'll stop in the third quarter, rest Mahomes, but they will go 30 or 40 up. I genuinely think that. And it's disappointing. Uh, but the thing that would ruin me as a fan and really upset me would be Monday and they try and justify keeping him in there. Get them all out. And Alice needs to stand there on Monday as well and say, I'm on the way out as well. Slonga file. Good luck. Thank you very much. I think our American listeners might need an explanation for a slog foal means uh goodbye goodbye and good luck essentially for for want of um exact translation i i don't think it'll be a beat down of 30 or 40 points i keep saying it the broncos are really good at slowing down offenses but we don't get them off the field um if you look at the the third down stats we we are really not good at getting opposing teams off the field but what we do tend to do is we take time off the game clock um in in on defense we hold it to to short gains and things like that i 
would love to see us win against the the Chiefs because it's been so long. I just struggle to see how we will do that given that they have, you know, so much to play for. And I think that they are still really looking for their offensive identity. Um, they they got it against the, the Raiders, but the Raiders play to the chief strengths. The Raiders play a system, the one high, we play the two high. So I think we will um, hold them, but I think we will struggle to score points. I see it being very similar to the game at Arrowhead this year, but ultimately, the, unfortunately, the Chiefs emerge victorious. But once this game mercifully is over, then hopefully a new era dawns for Broncos country. Yeah, I think um, just as I said earlier on, I think the the worst thing that happened to us was this game getting put onto a Saturday because, you know, the Chiefs have it all to play for. Um, Colin made a good point as well. I think that the Broncos defense um, does not tend to perform particularly well on third downs, but they do limit opponents um, with quick touchdowns and quick drives. They don't happen. So teams do end up scoring against the Broncos, albeit maybe field goals more often than, than touchdowns, but it takes them a while to do it. So you might be looking at hopefully um, the Broncos defense, you know, doing that to the Chiefs. And also we should, I, I, I'd really expect us to, to run the ball better. I think we did run the ball well against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. We really have to do the same thing again or else this game could get out of hand. Um, it'll be interesting to see who comes back from the COVID list. Um, I know Fangio's talking about finishing the season strong and playing most of the starters if he can because, I, I, look, you know, at the end of the day, nobody wants to lose their job and I presume he, he's kind of thinking that if, this, if I could beat the Chiefs or if I can at least kind of keep them honest, this would, you know... Um, maybe sway things my way um you know an absolute walloping presumably would not even the broncos top brass could ignore that um so it'll, it'll be it'll, you know this will be one i think to watch behind the sofa really um we could be wrong you never know pure it's been a kind of a crazy nfl season you know i suppose you could argue we've had our totally unexpected results against the cowboys maybe we might get another one i would not bet anybody's money on it um but I think it'll be uh, it, it'll be a tough watch. But I think for Broncos fans, you know, the important stuff hopefully will come within forty eight hours, um, and that's the kind of the story. And it's a terrible shame because, as we as we said before, you know, the difference between say our football over here is the off seasons are so short. So if you had a disappointing season, you know, you, you, the other one is just around the corner. You know, you get a decent transfer market, you're back at it. We won't have Broncos football again until August, you know. So you've got your free agency, then you got your draft. So you know, it's it's been a, it's really disappointing. It's been another it's another wasted season, and you know, hopefully there won't be any more of those. Um, George Payton, he gets a pass for this year because he was landed with the coach. He doesn't get a pass from here on in. Um, he's made some good moves, but let's now the really tricky stuff starts because those moves are, you know, the likes of Young and people like that, they're, they're good pickups, mid-season pickups, that's good, you know, that he's had a good, very good first draft. None of that really counts for much until you get a quarterback. So, from here on in, George, George is, is on the clock. So, let's see what he does, and hopefully he's been, uh, hopefully he knows what, he, what he's, he's let himself in for, you know, so we'll see. 
I feel as if we've been in a, a counseling session for the last 35 minutes. It, it, it has genuinely seemed like that. I've enjoyed it. Uh, but, you know, all, all good things come to an end. And all bad things eventually come to an end as well. This, this season has been a complete and utter disaster. And it's a sad state of affairs when you're excited for a season to end for a team. And I have convinced myself over maybe the last two or three years, Abishur Scran is still Broncos football. Yeah, yeah, you know, what, what, you know, season's only so, so long. I want this season to be over very badly. And I just think the way it's been handled is, is, is not good enough. And I'm sure next week we can uh, get the operating table light and just, just, just go into it. Yeah. Well, that. hope hopefully, but yeah, you know, as you said, it when when you are not looking forward to football, and when you only get seventeen games of it a year, that's so telling. And wasted years are awful for us fans watching from here. For those who own season tickets, for everybody, a wasted year is is just such an awful thing for for anyone, but particularly in football where it is so so short and we've had far too many of them in recent years so i really hope that changes i have just literally just come out um 46 seconds ago big fangio announced that everyone is coming off the COVID 19 list but calvin anderson so there should be um pretty much a full strength hand for big fangio to play against the chiefs we will uh, be back after the yearly tradition, a tradition unlike any other, Joe Ellis's press conference. Really looking forward to that. Uh, if you're interested in watching it, usually around seven or half seven Irish time. It's sad that I now know that. Um, should be. It might change. Seven hours time difference. Um, on Monday, uh, I'm presuming it will be Monday regardless of the Saturday game. It should be Monday because they won't do anything on Sunday. I'll be sitting up watching the rest of the league and playing on Sunday. So uh, looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll be on very quickly after that. Very quickly to finish off. One or two word answer. Fans, you stay or go. What's your gut feeling for me? I think he's gone. I. He has to go. He has to go. I, I fear. I really fear what might what might happen i know what i want to happen but i fear i fear we'll be sitting here next week and um yeah we'll look we we'll see time will tell boys uh, have a great week enjoy the game on saturday and for everyone listening thanks very much for listening and thanks for putting up with our uh bickering etc this week and, and, our, and our opinions please like subscribe share the podcast and we'll see you next week that's that's all a part of it the the the, the different viewpoints it'd be way more fun if it was in a pub over pints um but yeah, <laughs> th- thank you to the listeners and hopefully at some point when we're past all this nonsense we can welcome many people from broncos country to dublin to uh drink pints and watch better denver broncos football go broncos Go Broncos, is it? Go Broncos.